The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. We all have different wants and needs from employers. Unfortunately, we're not great at determining whether a job will actually meet those wants and needs beyond a salary. Well, we're talking all about how to do it on today's episode. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. We are all unique. Even if you think you are the most boring person in the world, you still have things that make you, well, you. It could be that you are a parent and that you were born in a different country from where you live now. Or it could be that you need assisted devices to navigate to and from work. All of those things make us who we are, and employers can either recognize that or ignore it. Obviously, a job seeker's goal is to find an employer who recognizes and celebrates it. So, today, we're chatting with Jen Tardy, who's a LinkedIn top voice and founder and CEO of Jennifer Tardy Consulting. Jen is an amazing facilitator who teaches job seekers and talent teams how to better embrace diversity without causing harm along the way. Here's Jennifer. I grew up through recruiting up to leading recruiting leaders. And one of the challenges that I noticed on my end is every time we were positioned to fill these positions, we need to increase diversity. As I would go out to look for training, immersive enough for my recruiters, I couldn't find anything that was really what I needed it to be. So, you know how they say, if you can't find something, maybe it's your turn to create it. And so a part of the work that we do at JTC is we actually work with two audiences. We work with people who are on their job search and we offer career coaching, but specifically helping them to navigate bias, helping them to navigate the hurdles that prevent them from getting hired and getting ahead within the organization. No pun intended to your newsletters, (laughs) but yes. And then on the other end, we work with um, employers to help them to increase diversity and retention without harm. A lot of employers and job seekers too, they tend to go at things alone. Um, And when you go at things alone, sometimes you stumble through. It's more detrimental with employers because if they don't increase diversity and retention effectively, you can create more harm than good. And also what a lot of people don't realize is that there's so much nuance when it comes to diversity and equity and inclusion efforts is that they think, oh, we just have to sort of get more people in the room. And it's so much more complicated than that because each group of people, each culture, they all have different needs and different approaches that you need to take. Why is it important for an organization to make sure they're looking widely for candidates and also making sure their talent pools represent their customers and the cross-section of their communities? The best way for me to explain this is this idea of lived experience intelligence. Now, what happens is the way in which we identify It gives us access to people, places, and things, which can all take us on different journeys in our life. 
which can all give us different perspectives in life. So now when we're sitting at the table, if everyone around this table identifies like you or if everyone around this table identifies like me, it's more likely that we've had similar experiences in life, access and denied access. But when you begin to think about who's represented at this table and who's not represented at this table, for those that are not represented, it means you're missing unique, nuanced perspectives. And what I'm trying to get a lot of people, especially job seekers and employers to understand is it's not just that you're missing these voices, you're missing a level of intelligence at the table. That's such a great answer. And it strikes at the core of every job seeker who's looking for a place that is nimble and is set up for success in the future. Because I think we all have seen ad campaigns or something where you see something happen and you're like, who was in the room that approved this? Yes. And the truth is that they didn't have a voice in the room to say, this is not a good idea. You need that diversity of thought that sort of diversity of knowledge to really make sure you're covering all your bases. So we're not really set up for success unless we bring everyone to the conversation. And obviously, every employer generally is going to put out a diversity statement that says, of course, we're committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's truthful. So For people out there who are convinced by our wonderful conversation that they should care about this, what would you say they should look for during the hiring process that maybe this employer isn't as committed to these efforts as they say they are? This question typically comes up a lot in one way or the other. What sort of questions should I ask or what are the red flags? And one of the things that I ask our clients to do is to first ask themselves, what does diversity, equity, inclusion represent for you? And what would an organization be doing that would demonstrate to you that they genuinely do care? What DEI represents to you is different to me, is different to everyone else. So let's say, going back to the earlier example of having a voice, let's say that after I go through this exercise, I realize that if if I'm working in an organization that hears my voice, that takes me seriously the first time, then I'll know that they're committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So my question to that employer isn't about what is your commitment to DEI? Your question to that employer is, when people are speaking up on your team, how do you ensure all voices get heard? And so one of the first red flags that I would connect this to is, how are they answering that question? And and. And if the way that they're answering that question doesn't feel good or comprehensive or conclusive to you, then that should be a red flag for you. But it's a great answer. And taking a step back, when you are actually looking at the employer, too, you should be able to see what's important to you in the photos that you see from the employer, the people who work there, or even the people who are involved in the hiring process that you're interacting with. Do they represent diversity of thought and knowledge? So those are the basics sort of before you even get there, right? Correct. The very first thing is when I go to your website, what do I see on the website? Are you having conversations that signal to me if all of that it doesn't resonate with me at all, then to me, I don't believe that you're really signaling to me. And the second part is the representation, especially at the leadership levels. Being in the recruiting department and even leading recruiting efforts, if I only saw one demographic presented, then I would negotiate even harder, only because 
it never failed. I knew that this work that I was going to be doing to increase diversity was going to be an uphill battle, right? Because it's already represented in the lack of representation at the highest level. How do I convince you, senior level at board level, that this is important? Before I've even gotten here, there's no representation at the highest level of the company too. So that's sort of how I would look at it too, representation as well. We'll be right back with Jen after this break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. And we're back with Jen Tardy, who's a LinkedIn top voice and founder and CEO of Jennifer Tardy Consulting. What else should you be looking for when you're in conversations with a company about a position? What are the questions that you ask? So I'm going to put this in context to identity since we're talking about diversity. So when I think about how I identify and its intersections, one of the first things that I'm thinking about is identify as a mom. So as a mom, I definitely need the flexibility. So flexibility is very important to me. So I don't deny myself of that. I'm also thinking about the pressures and demands when it comes to what teamwork looks like to them. Does teamwork look like, hey, we're highly collaborative on the job? Or does teamwork look like we need to go to happy hour every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? Because I can't necessarily go to happy hour because I need to get back to my little boys. And so I'm asking those particular questions. What does teamwork look like here on your team? How do you measure someone who's a great team player? What does flexibility look like here with your staff? And so I'm not coming to them saying, hey, this is how I identify. Take me to the promised land. I'm thinking from a place of all the things that I experience and what is it that's most important to me. And I'll lean in with those questions now, which takes me to another red flag. How comfortable are they in addressing those questions? I find that questions that are even closely connected to diversity, equity, and inclusion, if I find that there are inconsistencies in how the interview team is answering these questions, it could signal that it may not be deeply embedded in their culture, and that becomes a red flag. I think that's a really good way to think about it, like you said, to sort of understand your your own identity and what's important to you because intersectionality for people who maybe aren't completely aware of that is that, for example, I'm a gay man, which is 
run of the mill. Um, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, there are people who are black and gay or yes. Asian and gay yes. and things like that. So one trait doesn't define a person, but it could bring different challenges or needs to a table. And especially like you said with the parenting thing, part of that could be if my kid is sick and I need to leave for a few hours or work from home. Those are sort of the questions that are important to you, but also representative of have they thought about the needs of working parents, right? Yes, 1000%. And not every red flag means that you need to run from the organization. It's really important to understand that every organization is on their own learning journey. Some are further ahead, some they're just now starting, right? You could be the person that helps them to move further ahead, not to say that it's your ministry to come into an organization to move them further along, but you may have the voice or the statement or the context that really opens minds. I always have to say this too, because not every job seeker has the luxury of holding out and waiting for the next opportunity. Some people need a job now. And even if there are red flags, it doesn't mean that you have to jump ship and wait for the next opportunity. Yeah. And also, there's no perfect job. And (laughs) there's no perfect workplace. And I always try and caution people about that in my own life. I'll always tell them, you need to be realistic about the job that you accept, because every job is going to have its hard days. That's just standard workplace drudgery. For most people, what I always tell them is, listen, you're not here necessarily because you just think it's fun. You do need a paycheck. You're here to get paid. And yeah. in that same regard, I talk about unwritten rules. When you enter an organization, every organization has it. My organization has unwritten rules to career success. But what actually has to happen is that I hold my team accountable and myself accountable for saying, hey, let's take some of these things that are just not said out loud, whether it's unintentionally or intentionally, and let's put it on paper. What does it take to be successful here? No matter where you go, you just have to find them and decide, do I want to navigate them here or navigate them somewhere else? Very true. And also, I think something people need to be aware of is that organizations are like any other entity. They do change over time. So even if when you are hired and things look rosy, these are things that you do have to revisit from time to time. For example, if you are a working parent, if we want to stick with that example, you know, it could be that a new manager comes into the fold and they do not have flexibility when it comes to taking time off and things like that. So these are things that you will have to encounter and address also going forward. Just getting hired there doesn't mean that it's going to be fantastic for your entire tenure there. There are going to be times where you need to sort of continuously revisit these questions. And it's very easy to begin to think that, oh, this isn't working here for me. So I'm going to go over here to see if it's going to work there. And I'll say to the person, have you at least tried to have a conversation with your manager first? Because what this could be an opportunity for, building a muscle in you. Maybe the muscle is you need to have a courageous conversation. You have to get comfortable with having courageous conversations. Maybe the muscle is, hey, you haven't been using your voice as an opportunity to use your voice. But I promise you that if you miss the opportunity to build that muscle here, it's going to be presented in the next organization. I also tell people, and I was just talking to someone about this, when it comes to self-advocacy. And 
the realization is that so many things in life, especially when it comes to work, is not a one and done thing. It's not you do it once and it's like going to the gym, even though we'd all like and me especially to go to the gym once and then you're good. You have to go every day. So if you want to advocate for yourself, if you want to make sure that you are at a place that is right for you, these are things that you're going to probably have to confront over and over again. Yes. And it's only making you stronger. It's no different than being able to overcome nervousness. Just a part of the journey is just giving us all an opportunity to get better in different areas too. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to what we talked about initially, it seems that really one of the most important things than a job seeker or anyone can do is almost take an inventory for themselves of what is important to me. And those can really be the guiding questions when at the end of the interview they say, do you have any questions for us? You could say, actually, I do. And it seems that instead of focusing on necessarily DEI-specific questions, those questions that are important to you, bringing your full self to those questions, is actually a way to address that. Absolutely. And that's what I'm trying to get more people to do. It's so easy to go into an interview and say, do you all support inclusion here? One of the most important things that I could say to any job seeker is to make a list of the top three things that are so important to you that would indicate that this is a safe environment. And I use the word safe over the word um, inclusive environment, because at the end of the day, a part of an inclusive environment is also feeling safe. So what are those three things that let you know this is a safe environment where you can grow and flourish in? And then hold tightly to those and build your list of questions around them and ask that question in different angles. Yeah, this is going to be the least technical and probably not useful advice to a lot of people. But stealing a term from our Gen Z friends, the vibe could be off. And I think, (laughs) uh, you know, it, it is more difficult, I would say, with hybrid work or remote work because you can't necessarily be in the room with people. But I think most people, they do have that sense of, hmm, something feels off here. And like you said, not everyone has the luxury to turn down a job. But if you do or you feel comfortable that maybe you could hold out for another offer, it is sometimes good to trust your gut, especially if you've been in situations before where you've been burned in the workplace or you've really been somewhat traumatized. You could sort of say something's off here. (laughs) I agree. That's also what we connect to lived experience intelligence. And is there anything else that maybe I didn't ask about that is important to mention or anything that maybe um, I forgot to ask about? You as a job seeker, you have to opt into using your own lived experience intelligence because it's the unique factor that you bring to the table that gives you different perspectives. But the employer must also recognize the value with it, too. So there are many employers that are saying, yes, increasing diversity, making sure that we are well represented is important. But to what end? Once I'm within the organization, Uh, How are you now helping to make sure that I'm positioned in a way that you can really leverage what it is that you know to be the true value to bringing me into the organization? Or am I just a figurehead when you bring me in just to show an, an optical version of what diversity represents? So I would just add that there's actual work that has to be done um, on both ends. Yeah, I think that's really great. And, you know, if people want to learn more from you, where can they find you? At jennifertardy.com. And uh, I was telling you earlier 
that uh, this September, we're actually hosting our first inaugural Increased Diversity Summit experience. And the theme is Who is Qualified? Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jen. Thank you for having me, Andrew. That was Jen Tardy, a LinkedIn top voice and founder and CEO of JTC. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you liked this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll continue these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Faria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.